friends, and welcome to the Literary Sipper Podcast, where we sip from all things literary and literal. And we offer creative parents a place to come for camaraderie and inspiration as we all try to balance being a writer with managing a houseful. I'm your host, Amber V.D. Hill. Thank you for joining me. Today on the Literary Sipper, we are going to talk about inspiration. Not inspiration from above, that eternal wish that the muse is going to come down and sit on your lap, take your pen and finish the draft for you, but how to chase her down when you're feeling meh, just okay, not that great. You've carved out the time, you scheduled it in your Google calendar, you found a room with a door, you got yourself to that coffee shop, you opened up your laptop, you got your documents set, and then you just felt blah. Just plain old blah. Like maybe you should edit something you've already written. Or maybe you should start something new. Or maybe you should just spend your time staring out the window. You know it's hard to plan for inspiration, but you know you have to plan for writing. Those are two very different things. Today we're going to talk about some ways that you can fake it till you make it. Or like William Faulkner said, I only write when I am inspired. Fortunately, I am inspired every day at nine o'clock. First, let's talk about this muse for a second. I was at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association's conference this weekend, and there was a panel of writers, and they talked very much about the muse and believed very much in her existence and how it helps them to write. And I would argue that it's not necessarily the muse, but rather the flow state, that they actually enter into a flow state and they mistake that for a muse, some sort of divine inspiration. I used to believe in the muse wholeheartedly. It came from making sure I had the right tools and the right space and the right time of day. And if I had all of those things in line, then she would come. She would deliver to me some dream of a piece of writing that would be fully formed and very little revision necessary. And all of you know, that's just simply not true. And what happens is you get into this headspace. Oh, I can't write if it's too early. I can't write if it's too late, too loud, too quiet, too busy. Now, don't get me wrong. If you are trying to write or do anything creative with kids, interruption and cacophony are your constant companions but you have to do the work anyway. You have to write in spite of all of the noise. And maybe you have to write because of the noise. And only then, if you sit down and write, will you enter the flow state. And some days she's going to come and it's gonna feel very easy, but some days it's not going to come. But it doesn't mean you stop doing the work. So I believe that she would come and I would be ready no matter what. But then she didn't come, ever, because I had plotted and planned my bottom right out of the chair. I did everything else other than the writing. I convinced myself that I couldn't be inspired in the loud moments or the quiet moments or the school day moments or the evening rush moments. And so I had to develop new tools. And the most important tool is just putting your butt in the seat, as they say. The most important tool is to write anyway. So today we are going to talk about some things that maybe will kickstart you if you're feeling meh, 
so that you can enter that season of producing something creative, something meaningful, even if it's something that you never look at again, that you don't submit to contests. It's the practice of writing that will lead you places. So when I am trying to get inspired, um, I look at my bookshelves. I'm assuming anyone listening to this podcast has a lot of books on their bookshelves. You collect them, you borrow them, you mark them up, you toss them aside when they don't satisfy you. Whatever it is, you've got stacks. I know you do. And there's going to be days where your schedule says, now, now, now's the time to write. Now's my 15 minutes or my 20 minutes or even that awesome hour that you've scheduled in with your babysitter or because the kids are finally back at school. So the gray feeling that can surface with that blank page or the inhibitions you may have about your own writing can often stand in our way of getting any work done. So a few things that I like to do are the following. The first thing is to read a poem. There is a reason that poems are short. It is the most economical way to get to the emotion and heart of what matters in literature. Each word chosen, each line break important, each rhythmical sound coming out of your mouth, something to cherish and relish. And so when I feel the need to put myself into an artistic headspace, I go to poetry. Now, it doesn't have to be epic length poems. They can be short. They can be sweet. They can be modern. They can be classic. Whatever it is, do it. Um, there's the Poem a Day app. You can actually get on your phone. You can just start there. But I really recommend reading it out loud or looking for some kind of audible um, in audible copy of a favorite poem so you can hear someone reading it, preferably the author reading it out loud, because it is that rhythmic movement of your mouth and your body or your ears in the case of listening to the poem that allows you to kind of lull yourself into the artistic headspace. So I tend to look at Dorian Lux or Galway Canal. Sharon Olds has been my companion this week. And I promise it won't take much to get you into the mind space of a writer when you look at poetry as a place to start. And if you're shy about poetry, if you feel that you just don't get it, go to something classic. Go to look at William Carlos Williams, short, image-filled, um, or go to Shel Silverstein and think about how fun it was as a child to learn all of his poems because that kind of childlike headspace can also be very good for inspiration. The second thing that I recommend is similar. And in fact, all of these are kind of similar in the sense that what you're going to do is start with a concrete piece of work that is not your own um, to put you in the company of those that are artists and who feel like companions on your adventure in writing. So the second thing is to look at art and to have a piece, a book, um, an Instagram account that you can go to and really just start with looking and saying, what do I see in this piece of art? And you can, um, I suggest totally the Talk Art podcast if you're curious about the artists and the works they make. 
And on that, on their description notes, they often include um, images or the accounts, Instagram accounts of the artists. And you can go right there and look at living artists' work, which I love to see where the modern age is taking us in art. But also go look at a classic. Go look at um, the School of Athens. Go look at anything by Caravaggio and look at what the story is saying. Um, I'm in a group right now where one of the women is writing a novel um, about Van Gogh. And so she spends a lot of time looking at Van Gogh and reading letters. And so maybe something you could do is look at the work that you're working on where is it set and try to find an artist from that setting because you have to let the colors and the story filter through you and remind yourself that you have colors and story in your own work of art and in your own writing there should be images and colors so if you've written a couple of pages and a reader can't visualize it spend some time thinking about the visuals in your work by starting with the visual arts the third thing is to play some music. This is really popular right now in young adult literature. In the backs of books, you'll see like playlists that the author has used or each character has a playlist. Um, often, you know, I think even on Spotify, you can look up, you know, book titles and there'll be people who have made playlists based on books. And I think you can definitely do that. But I think more than that, think about how music is just intricately connected to your mood and your memory state and think about how you use music in your own writing are you someone who writes with music on or off do you like ambient music do you like music with lyrics but more importantly what music do you need to create the mood you're trying to set in your writing so if you're writing something melancholy play some melancholy music if you're writing an action scene Think about a Wagner opera or something very heavily drum-oriented like Fela Kuti or something like that where you can really put yourself into the headspace of a character and also in the headspace of writing. And this is especially good. Um, I find myself sometimes writing while the during school drop-off or pickup times because those lines are so long, as we all know. And so, you know, the song on the radio Really, like, think about that song. What mood is it trying to inspire in you? And then, you know, write for five or ten minutes using that song as the jumping off point. You could also do something like riff on one word. Uh, often when I was teaching um, high school, as I'm sure is no, comes as no shock that I was a high school English teacher, um, I would assign what was called a definition essay and where a student would take one word and basically define it in their own context and their own with their own connotations um, about of what that word means to them. And I really think that this is an important act, not only for developing your own sense of what a reader is really internalizing when they see a particular word, but also when you're kind of stalled out on maybe using the same words over and over again, and you need to sort of try on some new ones. I listened to um, a David White talk the other day where he talked for, I don't know, 20 minutes or something on the word cleave, C-L-E-A-V-E. And the exercise of just thinking about that one word and how many 
connotations it has and depending upon the context we use it was so powerful to me. And then I found myself using that word and thinking about that word and what it has to do with my own uh, work in progress. And I think you can look at your words that you rely on all of the time and see if there are any in there that are begging to be explored more deeply. There's another old standby. The last two are kind of two old standbys for, for getting inspiration. Use the clock. If you don't have a timer on your desk, you need one. Set it for whatever time you think is doable. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour, whatever you think you can literally sit at your desk and force yourself to do. And you will find that in the first two minutes, you have written a lot of words. Two minutes, you can fill a journal page up. And maybe it's that throat clearing that you needed to do. Maybe you just needed to do throat clearing for two minutes before you could get down to work. Journal, there's so much about journaling. And if you're looking for a journal to help you get started as a mom who writes, I have one up on my website that you are welcome to um, download for free. But it is important that you use the timer because you will get things written. Don't think you have to have an hour. Sometimes we have to work in smaller increments in order to invite inspiration. So you might find yourself with a stack of index cards like Annie Lamott talks about. And you just say, I'm going to fill up three index cards with three new ideas. And that's what I'm going to be able to do today. But I guarantee you nine times out of 10, you'll do the three index cards and then you'll get down to the business of your work in progress. And the last one I'm going to talk about is a classic for me, and I've done it many, many times and myself and also invited others to do it with me, which is just to grab the nearest book to you, um, either on your night table or the one on your desk or the one in your purse or wherever, open it up, put, close your eyes and put your finger down on the page and find the message. There's always a message. And sometimes it's ironic and sometimes it's funny. And sometimes it's really quite meaningful. Today I did the exercise and opened up um, Kundera, Milan Kundera's The Unbearable Lightness of Being. And I read, you're no writer or journalist or savior of the nation. And I just thought to myself, oh, that is so funny. Because I have totally sometimes felt as a writer that we are trying so hard to get the perfect word or we're trying so hard to tell a great story and it feels like the weight of the world is on our shoulders. And there's always going to be someone saying, you're not that great. So why are you worried about it? And once you admit those things to yourself and you have your cup of tea, you feel a lot better afterwards. But the most important thing I can offer you is to give yourself a break. You're doing great. You're trying to do the work. Just listening to this podcast means you are interested in figuring out how to make writing work in your life. And for that, I applaud you. So just stay hydrated, keep at it, and know that I'm rooting for you. But above all else, keep writing.